Show me the one whose safety deems such destruction. Right, so I think we're going to talk about the coolest character in the entire episode. It has to be Django Fett. Oh, debatable. Django Fett. He is the coolest character. Did you say debatable, Tom? <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I definitely... He's got the whole gunslinger vibe. Yeah. Uh, I would still settle on the coolest character being probably Mace Windu. But Django's up there. Yeah, yeah. Well, we, he's, the, he's the brand new one, isn't he? Yeah, but I would say, though, like, like Boba Fett is a clone of, of Django. So, like, so that, that whole character, I would say, is, like, he's, he's the coolest. Like, I didn't like because, like, Boba and Django, they, they pretty much are the same, but really the same person. This, this one is actually cool. I like, I like that he's been working for Dooku under the Trade Federation. It starts off really, really, really awesome, like, Zam Wessel, the the uh, the shapeshifter, yeah. who who Django offs so that she yeah. can't tell Obi Wan anything. Uh, <laughs> it doesn't start off with Zam Wessel. It starts off with the um with the, with the droid who um that uh, that she sends out to kill Padme, but with the worms. Oh, with the worms! I hated that scene as a kid. But Obi Wan has that perfect like you know jumping through the window and then like hanging onto the droid up to it as it as it slowly moves all the way perfectly back to her. It's actually brilliant that scene though. Like it's Coruscant is so busy, and it just it just makes it like it just brings you into that world. That's what I that's what I kind of got. Can from I can, can I just say one thing? I reckon Coruscant would make a gr- a good cyberpunk game. Oh yeah. Like, uh, like, oh, we could have got that if only um, Star Wars thirteen thirteen would have come out because the whole point of that was oh, right. I think you were a bounty hunter or some underworld character, and oh, the yeah. whole point was that you were like skulking around like the Coruscant underground and that, that would have been so good. Right, if Lucas Arts died, it wasn't to be. Yeah. And that whole high-speed chase, like, it shows the relationship between Anakin and Obi-Wan. Like, Obi-Wan's kind of this guy who's like, oh, I hate flying. Like, leave me. <laughs> don't, don't bother with this. And then you've got, like, this rebellious kid who's um, who's Anakin there. But then oh. then you see Django again on Kamino. And that whole fight between Django and Obi-Wan. Oh, it's insane. That's, that's like, I really enjoyed that. Yeah, it it demonstrates that Django really is not to be messed around with because, I mean, Obi-Wan is a pretty powerful Jedi Knight and Django is just some dude with a couple of guns and a jetpack. And, like, I don't think we've ever seen, ever seen anyone just armed with conventional weapons so soundly just hand a Jedi's ass to him on a plate. So that was a, a pretty good demonstration of, of, of Django. Even in that fight when they were engaging in hand to hand combat, he's on par with a Jedi, you know what I mean? In, 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 oh, that, in, in that fight. It's so good. But I like how but he didn't even that wasn't only used elsewhere in the series. Yeah, you could, like, you could, you could engage like, in hand to hand combat on par with Obi Wan in that scene. I guess that makes sense though, like the Mandalorian's cultural heritage, and they've been fighting the Jedi in the Republic for thousands of years. I oh, mean, yeah. oldie you yeah. was, at least. So like, I mean, they've got the Darksaber, and so it's not unknown for them for them to literally try and get into hand-to-hand combat with a Jedi, which would just seem absolutely <laughs> mental and suicidal for everyone else. And like, 
Uh, and as soon as you see the ship as well. Oh my god. As soon as he fires, the seismic charges. And you see that massive blue ring. Oh! That noise. That noise. And how, and how the sound of the explosion comes a few seconds after the action. The light explosion. It's oh just annihilating God. all of the asteroids. As Obi Wan complains about flying. Yeah. <laughs> no, jungle fell is the So yeah guys, what is actually your favourite monster from that part? What was your favourite monster? I like the Aklair. <laughs> big spider thing. Mine has to be the, the big... Oh, the big light. Would you say it's kind of a hog? The big shrieking like, big ball thing? Because on Battlefront... Rhino thing, yeah. The rhino, yeah. And how Anakin was able to mount it, you know, you like you forget though, but he, he was oh, able to so pod yeah. race, he was able to fly. <laughs> he can do anything, that boy. <laughs> yeah. But that's it, you know, like, he, he may have a bit of a martial turbo, but he's still a decent Jedi in which he can, like, he can use his, use his force powers to, like, in order to, uh, control any, uh, any animal he's choosing. So, like, you know, it's like, oh, he made this monstrous rhino, and it was, like, this mount, he just put his hand on it, and then, like, suddenly he jumps on it, and then he starts riding <laughs> out with it. I love it. It's literally, you get, that bit was so fun as a child to watch, like, I, it, it just... I think George Lucas must have thought, right, we've got a lot of new people watching this, like, children of the generation. We've got to do something like exciting on this part. And then you see all the droids come out, and then you just see swarms of Jedi you've never seen in your life. He's just throwing the money out here. <laughs> have the Jedi, yeah. have the droids. <laughs> oh, it's brilliant. We'll see. of humour they had in this scene you know with like with C-3PO and like the uh and with the droid on, on C-3PO's body he's walking out and he says like oh my legs are not working properly I need repairing <laughs> and you see Kip Fustu just literally like force push him and then gives him the, the smile like <laughs> it's just like the best smile ever Kip Fustu yeah, I think that's it was a massive highlight and definitely my favourite part of the whole film I mean like as a kid and also now it's I think the most Jedi you ever see at one time on screen and they're having 
an enormous battle with lots of battle droids in a massive arena and then there's these massive monsters going around and it's all kicking off it's like george lucas is completely incapable of writing like meaningful character dialogue that doesn't feel like you're bashing your head against a plank of wood listening to but what he does do quite spectacularly is scenes like this well what do you guys actually think about about dooku because for dooku for me he really stood out i loved his fighting style i just loved his presence on stage from christopher lee fantastic character like when he played saruman i just felt the same as well um He's just got this sort of like demeanour that you look at him straight away when you see him on 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 the film, and like he's got like this kind of presence that is, you know, you know, like that that sort of Gandalf sort of presence, like it seems quite more, powerful sort of. It thing. does feel a bit like quite he noble, is, like his stance, like you know, when like it's sort he of is like, like a sort literally of like a noble kind of uh, fighting like style where like he is a count, mm-hmm. the count of Sir. That's shown a lot in Battlefront so as well. I think that's yeah, part that of why they gave him the like special sort of fencing fighting style to show that he's like a dignified nobleman and it's like the um adds a bit of what's well nobility i guess in the sense that even the reason he joined the sith was because of like legitimate grievances with how the republic and the jedi were being run so i i don't think dooku's evil at all really he's just another one of palp's dupes he's just got a different point of view I see he has a different outlook on things and a different point of view. Um, outlook, and he's yeah. not... He, he's... Well, he, he trained Qui-Gon and Qui-Gon kind of got that reasoning of not to follow the code, to go do their own um, sort of thing and think for themselves. And obviously Qui-Gon learned that from his master, which was Dooku, you see. And I get this, I get this first presence when you see Dooku that he's... He's kind of like, oh, well, it's your decision what you do here. If you want to try and strike me down, then by all means do it. But you're going to stay in this uh, in this massive blue force field for for a very long time. <laughs> yeah, and, and I think that's what they kind of touch upon a bit in this film, where they, they it's not really a case of like you know whether the uh, the it's not really either good or bad. You know, like the. Uh, the Republic and the, the Senate are like the good guys, and like the separatists and the Sith are the bad guy. The bad guys. It's kind mm-hmm. of like it's like your own like how you determine what is right and wrong because what from like from their point, what is point of view and the separatists like, that they he, be, he believes that like, you know what he's doing is right. It's not a case of like doing something evil. It's just it's going about a different way of. Um, I guess he's just another way one of Palpatine's um, dupes, though. defecting from the Jedi and the Republic yeah. and actively starting like a, what in his mind is like a resistance movement. But at the same time, we don't know like the specifics mm-hmm. of how much Dooku like knows about um, Palpatine's grand plan. Like, did he set up the separatists on orders of Palpatine and with knowing that it was all just part of a conspiracy to start a war to build the empire and Dooku thinking that he'd take well, the place that Vader ultimately got or was Dooku a complete pawn from day one? He's definitely like uh, a pawn to be fair. He gets the, the plans for the Death Star for Palpatine um, because that's what Which happened really- in episode 4. 
which yeah, doesn't really it? make which, which really doesn't make much sense because um, Jason's um, father was they, the architect um, behind the Death Star, so that's kind of really yeah, yeah, that's 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 right. Like, kind of, I, I see it as the, the guy who designed really. the reactor to make it work and also hmm. sabotage it. Whereas what the Geonosians had done, it was more like a proof of concept mm-hmm. of like, oh, we can make a giant death ball, but right. but we don't know how it's gonna work. So it was more like, <laughs> it was more like an initial, like an, draft, like an initial really. Yeah, like a sketch. Yeah, so, for example, right. if you're going to get so more like an, like an a sketch draft, really. and then they take it to the artist right. so that's what, yeah. to make it. And Ginosaur's right. father was the artist who made the Death Star. All right, yeah, Galen. Cool. Yeah, I think he was definitely a pawn because he he gives him All the right, Death yeah, Star uh, plans. He gives him like he's just covering time for Anakin to get more aggressive. More involved under yeah, Chancellor. Duke clearly wheels. knows none of that. Dooku is just um, a pawn for to spare time. I wonder if Dooku. I I wonder how Dooku thought it was gonna go down as a whole. Like, did Dooku think that the idea was for Palpatine to pretend to be the Chancellor, but then really help the Separatists to win the war, and the Separatists would become like the new Sith Empire, or? Was Dooku in on the fact that the Separatists were supposed to be set up to fail from day mm-hmm. one? But then, if he did know that, what does that say about his motivations? Like, his motivations become much less noble once he realises that he's setting up the Separatists not to actually fight against the corrupt Republic, yeah. but to overthrow mm-hmm. it and replace it with an evil See, I think he was, he was let in on the plan. Yeah, because yeah. he tells Obi-Wan that the Chancellor is a Sith Lord. Rightfully mm. off, I think he was lit right. in on the plan, and when it gets to episode three, then he in is the immediate moment before he gets beheaded when he fights Anakin. Unless but up till until then he's let in, and yeah, right. <laughs> before he's beheaded, yeah. But until then, he's definitely in on the plan. He's definitely in. I think he is. I I think he only knew half the truth. I think he was only told like half of what the full uh, what the full um plan was going to be because obviously mm-hmm. um it, there was more to it i don't know because it went in a further extent in the films when when case of like um with anakin's you know like uh a power team manipulating anakin like in the case of uh of turning him in and uh, making him more like uh sympathize with the dark way of the force and uh and, and that outlook but i do think uh power team was like he was more focused on the uh when it came when it came to like the separatists, he, he was like he, he understood like half the plan, but he didn't like look at he didn't look at the the bigger picture really. Yeah, and he was he was making because he was making the war. He was like making the separatists against the republic, and he had to use Dooku to do that. That's how like he used Dooku to control as a first man there, and then he can sit behind it all and just w- overwatch everything. Um, yeah, I was definitely thinking that. It was the same with the. I was saying that like, it was same with the other separatists as well. You know, with the Trade Federation and the uh, and the and the Viceroy, and it's. I think like they they like they were not told like the full the full plan really. Oh yeah, they they <laughs> they were letting none of it. They were just told, yeah, we're gonna take over the Republic, and then they end up getting like vivisected by Darth Vader on Mustafar when they become loose ends. So guys, we've we've come to the conclusion that Dooku. Is a master swordsman, master fencer. Um, what did you guys actually think of the the fight at the end of this episode? Reminded me a lot of the scene at the start, actually, when they're in the uh, the hover speeder chase throughout the city in the uh, 
like vibe that's between Anakin and Obi-Wan of Anakin being, oh, I can just go in and do it now. And then Obi-Wan's like, no, Anakin, no. You're going to pay for all the Jedi that you killed today, Dooku. We'll take him together. You're going slowly on the left. Taking now. No, Anakin, no. No. Exactly. Like, I think, why, why would you do that? Why would you just run in? And then you're gonna you you know this guy is being trained by the Lord of the Sith, like, what? Why would you do that? Because <laughs> he's gonna capture Dooku and end the war. Oh, I am this noble man who's gonna go in and do it. I'm the chosen one. Yeah. <laughs> he just gets picked up and thrown to the side. Now I think that surely shows his um, immaturity as well because. If he listened to Obi-Wan, it would have went down differently. Yeah, it's like, oh, I'm just some Padawan. So I'm just going to sprint towards this clearly very experienced and powerful Sith Lord and it will go completely fine and I won't get electrocuted and dismembered. And then the dreaded tennis ball of doom emerges. Master Yoda. Count Dooku. You have interfered with our affairs for the last time. Powerful you have become, Dooku. The dark side I sense in you. I've become more powerful than any Jedi. Even you. And then coming around the corner, our little green friend, yes, <laughs> walking around with his uh, walking stick, and he's like, it's over for you it is. To have a, a senior moment throwdown between... A senior throwdown, I love that. An, an ancient ping pong ball and an aged wizard. <laughs> like, oh, it's going down. Basically, he is a ping pong ball who's vaulting around the entire thing. <laughs> and it's complete. It's, it's the first time you see Yawn and Spidey, but it's a completely. It's not not at all what we expected because throughout the films, we like he always just walks. He's like slow. Yeah, I knew it was going down and when like, I first saw him. And then like, suddenly he just like, jumps up and just like he's like doing a four. This. <laughs> he's like, what is going on? We've never seen this before. <laughs> And literally just darting around the room, and Christopher Lee as Dooku just has, he looks like he... Oh, imagine like having to film this, because it's CGI Yoda. Yeah. How, how would imagine. you film that? Like, what would they have used to represent Yoda in the like, green screen of the scene? Like, what would, what would they have told him to like, hit with his lightsaber? It's like throwing a football off. Just like pelting him with balls or something. It's like, fight them off with your sword, do something. We'll figure out the rest in post. So yeah, then you see that he's escaped, um, taking this sneaky move, absolutely sneaky, like just dropping it on them and Yoda having to pick up the pieces. Gets out of there, meets up with the Emperor on Coruscant, and he cans over the Death Star plans, and you know that this is definitely leading up to a new hope. Definitely. And then you see the thousands of clones across Coruscant, and literally, when you're in the cinema, you're thinking, 
shit's gonna get real now. This is like this this is this is the defect. It's definitely got a lot of like OT foreshadowing of like you get the Death Star plans being delivered, <laughs> and then immediately after that you have legions of not stormtroopers marching into not star destroyers ready to go and begin Palpatine's final masterstroke and oh Christ yeah that scene with the Imperial March playing as they all the walkers walk up the massive ramps into the ships and and that's exactly where the um <laughs> Clone Wars the 2000 Tarkovsky starts off but that's a whole separate thing but that's it's better than Dead Filoni Clone Wars I, I'll die on that hill but it does like it does foreshadow like now you're going to be a real war because before this point, the Republic, the Senate, they never had an army, and like they always only had the Jedi as, as peacekeepers, because like, like, there was no really like, like, other like, existential force which was going to be like a greater threat to the Republic, only like maybe skirmishes and like and like the three smaller years. rebels. But it's like a full on like war that's going to be taking place, so like they need like the full army. So kind of end this. But you know, but it, it kind of like negates this whole like this whole like peace time of where. Of, 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 like with where the Jedi can only only handle it. It's like, it's like now it's we've got the step of a full on war between like it's like it's like going into a full on war, you know, um, world war and sort of um, like a, a period between states yeah. instead of just like um, some terrorist or a border system somewhere. Since you asked me last week, well, not last week. <laughs> Let's say last month or right. something. Um, okay. Was this film? Uh, I would say this film is not Kano because I, I do believe the. Um, straight in there! He goes straight in! I like, I like Lewis, he's straight in there! <laughs> the verdict has been received. Don't get me wrong, I, I like Attack of the Clones. I think it was, it was a good film and I'd give it like. I'd put up there with. Um, uh, I'd say it, would, it was like around like 6.5 out, uh, out of 10 and it was a good film, but I would not say it was Kano. I, I only. Re- I only seen Kino films with eight or more, and mm-hmm. this was on Kino. So I have to so, fully agree yeah. with you there. I'll say I'm gonna give this film. What did they give the last one? Phantom Menace. Uh, I give that one a six. I'm gonna give yeah. this a six point five because I'm starting to see. I liked I liked the, the progression of Anakin's character. Um, I also liked the whole war scene, the whole arena as well. Um, yeah, I'm going to give it a 6.5 out of 10. What about you, Tom? I'm conflicted on this one. Because on the one hand, I really liked how it expanded on like the political situation and how the Republic's falling apart and how it's building up to the world that we see in the original trilogies. But once again, with literally everything George Lucas does ever, it's really good concept but the execution is so hammy and the dialogue is disgustingly awful and it really breaks immersion but I give it (laughs) I mean on the other hand we could say that you know that adds charm to it in the absolute like massive box of meme fodder that um, the prequels are but in the end I'm I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with five it's not Kino. But uh, thank you so much, guys, for being on the podcast. Don't forget, guys, it is also out on Spotify. Um, come follow us on Twitch as well, because we are smashing it on Twitch with the Battlefront. Uh, we go live Monday, Wednesday, and Fridays. And also, 
keep up to date. Keep up to date. We got the Big Joe Squad as well. We will be releasing some videos on there very shortly. But thank you very much, guys, and may the force be with you.